Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 26. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Let's pray. Good Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. Lord, I thank You so much for uh, how You've blessed us in this last year and for all the good folks that You've brought our way. And dear God, I pray that You will uh, give them all a special blessing. I pray You'll uh, just speak to this message today. In Your name we pray. Amen. I want to talk today about uh, on the subject of why go to this church. All right, why go to this church? Now, when I preach this, I'm not saying that this is the only church. All right, there's thank God there's one, there's great churches all over this country. There's great churches all over the world. And I've actually preached this message in some other churches. And when I preached it at those churches, I meant it just as much as I'm going to uh, as, as I do today, because there are church there are churches out there that are doing it right, that are sticking by the truth, that are staying faithful to the Word of God, and they are good churches. And if I lived in those, you know, there's, there's churches if I lived in those areas, I, I know what church I'd go to. I, I'd, go, I'd go to that church. It's the right kind of church. And I'm not saying that we are it. We're the only ones. I'm not saying that, but I, at the same time, I can only speak for this church. This is the only one that I go to uh, here in, the, in this area. And there are some things, though, that uh, that ought to be in a church. And when you're trying to decide what church you go to, most people today they go off of all the wrong things when trying to decide a church. And there are some things that we're going to look at in the Word of God that are absolutely necessary, and things that you definitely ought to consider. And I, and I, I believe, and I definitely hope that we uh, fit that category here. And if not, we need to fix it because this is a truth that comes from the Word of God. But in this passage that we just read, a lot of good things are said in there. But in verse 24, I like how it says, "...and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works." You know, we live in a world today where we are constantly being provoked to doing wrong. I mean, I was provoked this week you know, to sending the nasty email because it didn't come in when it was supposed to. Uh, you know, you get provoked uh, to yell at somebody and run them off the road when they're driving like a maniac. I mean, you get provoked all the time to do wrong. And something that we all need like crazy is we need some place where we can go and get provoked into doing right. Because we're getting plenty of the other out in the world every day. And I believe the house of God is a place where we can do that, where we can, where there, uh, a preacher can get up and he can try to provoke you into doing right and encourage you to do right and yell, yelling at you for doing wrong. And not just preaching, but each other. We do, we're supposed to, we're all kind of a part of that. We encourage each other to do right. We ought to encourage each other to be in church. Somebody's, you know, not there, you know, hey, you know, somebody else, hey, where were you last week? Man, you, man, you need to be here. You missed it. 
We're trying to provoke each other. We're trying to, to do in good works. And we do that to them, maybe they'll do it back to us. I need to be provoked into good works. And then it says, not forsaking the assembling. That's what we're doing right now. We're assembling. Uh, the church is not this building. The church is the people in it. That is what the church is. And we don't want to, we don't want to take it lightly. We don't want to forsake it. We don't want to get away from it. We need to be in the house of God, not just for ourselves, but it says, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching as time goes on. We, we need the, we need church more today than we ever have. We need it. That's why we have. You know, we'll have Sunday night services, or we'll have we're gonna have Wednesday night Bible study, or maybe even have uh, someday we might have revival meetings where we'll have church, maybe throughout the week. We do we need things like that because we need to be provoked to good works. And the truth is, that's pretty much all the churches out that that's for the most part what they're doing. There's assemblies that are all over the place. In this area, I think I counted in the phone book one time. There's fifty or sixty churches in this area. And obviously, we're not in competition with each other. Okay, you know, while I love this church and while I want everybody to come here, you know, if I find that somebody's a part of another church, you know, I don't, I don't go badging them to leave their church. I don't go talking bad about their pastor, and and I don't do any of that. I would, I would never do that. But but at the same time, uh, when it comes to uh, the church, and how how do you know which one? You know, how do I know? Which one is the one where God wants me? How do I know that? And some things I believe that you ought to look at when considering a church is one, you need to look at the authority in that church. What is the authority in that church? And if it's not this right here, if it's not the Word of God, you ought to take off running. Alright, you ought to get away from there as fast as you can. All the authority that we have, it comes from the Word of God. Psalms 138. I reference this verse all the time. Psalms 138, verse 1 and 2, because it is so important. It's forgotten. It says, I will, verse 1, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. There's churches out that say, well, we get our authority from God. Well, Bible says that He's magnified His word above His name. Because I don't know about you, but God hasn't showed up and I haven't seen God face to face. God hasn't told me anything you know, audibly where I can hear it. He spoke to my heart through the Holy Spirit, but He usually does it through His Word. And the truth is, the ultimate, the final authority ought to be the Word of God. Amen. The Bible is the final authority. Any of us could say, God told me this, God told me that. Well, then how are we going to know what the truth is? We've got to have something. And God gave us something. He gave us His Word. There's been people out there that says God's told them to kill people. There was a woman who killed all her kids and said God told her to kill her kids. Okay, Now you and I know God wouldn't tell them to do that. But how do we know that? Based on our opinion? Based on what we think about God? No, we know that based on the Word of God. The very God that said thou shalt not kill. The very God that said that you know, for parents to love their children is not going to tell them to kill their children. We know that. In the Word of God, it's the final authority in everything. John 1.1 in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
The Word of God. It is the ultimate. It is the final authority. And it is amazing today that how many Christians and how many churches they've just kind of thrown the Bible to the side. I mean, you'll see them. You'll see them there. They might make a reference to a scripture. Some churches today, I mean, they don't even. They rarely will use the term Jesus. Because that's too uh, that's too exclusive. You know, what about all the religions that worship other gods? We got to include them too. I was talking to a guy just a couple weeks ago, and he was he gave me this big monologue that he does whenever he's kind of declaring his faith to people, and he says that I believe in a higher power that I choose to call Jesus. And I thought, and that statement just made me sick. I was like, okay, first of all. Yeah, there is a higher power. I believe in a higher power, but I don't. We don't pick who he is. We don't pick his name. His name is Jesus. Right, that's who he is. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only one who died on a cross to pay for my sins. He's the only one who lived a perfect life. He's the only one that created this world. It's him, and we don't need to be ashamed to use his name. We have that authority in the Word of God. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know who the Lord is. It's Jesus Christ. He came to this earth 2,000 years ago. He lived for 33 years a perfect life and He died on a cross for us. And He showed us how to be saved through His Word. And I thank God for that. But many, uh, we don't want to do that. And then uh, when it comes to... Well, you know, most, pretty much everybody says, oh, I believe the Bible. You know, who's, who's going who's gonna to say something bad about the good book? But at the same time, you look at some of these things that people are calling Bibles and you start reading them, it's pretty goofed up. I mean, they've got every kind of... I mean, you go to the Christian bookstore, they've got every kind of Bible that you can imagine. I mean, they're constantly trying to update it. And the intentions, I believe, are good most of the time. They're trying to you know, make things in more modern English and easier to understand. But what ends up happening is much truth ends up getting corrupted. I could I could show you all kinds of evidence of things that I believe some of it might have been accidental, but I believe some of it was intentional. Things that entire verses left out of the Bible, entire things added in. They've got gender neutral Bibles because the Bible just says man way too much. It ought to include woman in there too. And they got they got gender neutral Bibles. They've got Ebonics Bibles. I mean, they've got all kinds of things. They've got Bibles that don't look like Bibles because you know if you know. We tell kids, you know, you ought to not be ashamed to carry your Bible, but man, we, we can't have it looking like a Bible. People might call them a Bible thumper or something. Listen, I, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I don't care that my Bible looks like a Bible. I don't have a problem with that. And I mean, we, you know, we call it other things. Let's, let's call it, we'll call it the book. Alright, which, yeah, that's what the Bible means, the book. But you know, that's just, that's a lot more hip. It's a lot more trendy. And then you go and you look inside what they wrote in there, and it's yeah, it's a lot more hip, it's a lot more trendy, but it's also a whole lot of false in there too. And we've got the Word of God, this King James Bible. I I, I wish I could go into the history of it, and we'll, but it was it was miraculous the way that this Bible got translated in the English language. I believe God was in on it. God promised that He was going to preserve His Word to all generations. Most churches today, well, I believe, you, know, you believe that the Word of God is inspired. I believe that in the inspiration of the originals. Well, can you please show me where I can get one of those? Uh, you can't. We don't have any originals. 
All we have are copies of copies of copies. And God promised that He was going to preserve His Word. He said He would. And if it's not inspired, if it's not the truth, if it's not complete, then did God not keep His promise about preserving His Word? Absolutely not. He did that. And it was a miraculous thing that God did. And I thank God that we have His Word that it's inspired. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteous. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That word perfect, it's not talking about sinless perfection, but it's talking about completion. It's talking about completion. And how can we do everything God wants us to do if we don't have all of it? If we only have part of it? Or if what we do have is full of mistakes and errors. We couldn't do it. God's asking us to do something that's impossible and our God wouldn't do that. God said He'd preserve His Word. Psalms 12, verse 6, "...the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times." He said, my words are pure. Okay, Don't try to tell me that the Word of God is full of error. That it's full of mistakes. It, the Bible says they're pure. So, well, it used to be. No, it still is. Verse 7, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And you know what? You can say, well, I don't believe it's that King James Bible you have. Okay. Alright. But he, then where is it? Where is it? Because if it's not this, I want to find it. The truth is, I believe we have. I believe it's here. I believe that by, I believe that by faith. That we have the completed Word of God. He promised that we would have that. But also, uh, with that authority, the Word of God, but also another part of that we see is the Holy Ghost of God. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Matthew 28 and verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then John chapter 20, verse 21. I'm, turning, I'm flipping around a lot. You don't have to follow them if you don't want. But John 20, verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father had sent me, even so send I you. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. What Jesus was doing there, when He breathed on them, He gave them the Holy Ghost. You know what He was doing? He was passing on some authority to them. Jesus Christ, He is the one that started the church. Jesus Christ was the first church planner. And He started the first church that there ever was there with Him and with His disciples. And then there in the end, after he rose from the dead, he went to his disciples. And the Bible says, uh, he, he says, Whatsoever the Father hath commanded me, or uh, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. God gave authority to Christ. Christ passed that authority on to his disciples. They went on and they started preaching the gospel. And then in Acts chapter 8, verse 17, Acts chapter 8, verse 17. It says, then laid they their hands, talking about the disciples, on them, talking about others, and they received the Holy Ghost. You know what they were doing? They were passing on that authority. The disciples, they went and they started planting churches. They started churches all over the place. And then they trained men in that church to go and to do the same things. They passed that authority on. And we have authority today 
from the Holy Spirit of God that's been passed on to us through the generations. I, uh, and that, it's an amazing thing that God has done. But that authority that we have, as we have authority as a church to preach the Gospel and to go tell other people how to be saved. We have the authority as a church to baptize people in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Just like Jesus baptized His disciples. Just like John the Baptist baptized Jesus. God has passed that authority on to us. He's given. God has put us in trust with the Gospel. He's given us. He's, he's made us responsible for this. What an amazing thing that is. And what a sobering thing that is. To think that we've been put in trust with the Gospel. God has left it up to us to go and tell the world about Christ. And we are able to do that with the help of the Holy Ghost of God. You know that nobody can get saved unless the Holy Ghost draw them. They can't. The Holy, it's the Holy Ghost that speaks to your heart. When you were feeling, when you, before you got saved, you started feeling that conviction. You started feeling something inside you saying, hey, this is what I need. I need to call on Christ for salvation. And maybe there was somebody there standing there with a the Bible in their hands talking to you. Maybe you heard somebody preaching. But what it really was that was working there was the Holy Ghost of God. He was the one doing the work. And He does the work through us. But it's Him. It's the Holy Ghost of God that does the work. The Holy Ghost, it is the power source of the church. It's it's the driving force. Listen, we can try to do... I mean, we can get everything perfect. I mean, we can have a perfect constitution. We could have, I could, we could have the perfect singers that sing perfect pitch. We can have this building looking perfect. And we can be doing everything right. And I could get up here... And I could preach a fiery, eloquent message, you know, where I don't even stutter one time. But let me tell you, if the Holy Ghost isn't in on it, it's not going to do a bit of good. It's not going to accomplish a thing. I might, we might be able to get people excited. We might be able to entertain people. We might be able to get them to want to come here and have fun and uh, enjoy everything that's going on. But if the Holy Spirit's not in on it, it's not going to do anything real in their life. That's why we see so much today in churches. People they'll go to church and they'll be there. They're there every week, but it doesn't change a thing in their life. They'll go out and they'll live just like the devil the rest of the week. They're singing, "Oh how I love Jesus in church," but just I mean living like a heathen, living like they love the devil when they leave that place. You know why the Holy Ghost isn't doing a work there? Listen, I want people here. I like seeing good crowds. I like I like seeing that. But if the Holy Ghost doesn't show up in our service, then we're wasting our time. He's the one that needs to be here. He's the one that we need to be inviting into every one of our services. I hope you invite people to church. That's good. We want people here. But I hope everybody, they take the time to say, Lord, please send Your Spirit in this church. Lord, fill the pastor with the Holy Ghost. Lord, I need I need to hear from You today. I need the Holy Ghost to speak to my heart. And we get plugged into the Holy Ghost. Like I said, the Holy Ghost is a power source. And we get plugged in to that power source by being obedient to the Word of God. By being obedient to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit, He speaks us through His Word. And when we do what the Bible says to do, then the Holy Ghost is free to do what it's capable of doing. But when we go against the Word of God, the Bible says that we quench the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, quench not the Spirit. I've been in services before where the Holy Spirit was moving, where God was speaking to hearts and where things were happening and people were getting saved, and then something happens that just quenches the Spirit. 
I guess and I, uh, a way to explain that it would be like maybe you're maybe you're at home and you're having maybe a family reunion. Maybe maybe the, I'm the only one this has ever happened to. But maybe you're having that family reunion. Everybody's having a good time and everybody's getting along and everything's just wonderful. And you're having a great time of fellowship. And then all of a sudden, somebody decides to start an argument. And somebody maybe says something ignorant, and it just kills the whole mood. You ever been there before? Maybe you're there and everything's great, and then all of a sudden. Maybe some husband and wife just start fighting right there, and you're just like, you're, you just want to leave. It just kind of kills the mood, doesn't it? It, 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 it just it kills everything. It's like you say, throw a wet blanket on it. And we can do that to the Holy Spirit of God if we go against, and when we go against the Word of God, we're going to quench the Holy Spirit. If we start doing things that's contrary to what God said to do, we're just we're asking Him to leave. You know, we're saying, Holy Ghost, we can do this without you. We can get more results. We can get more excitement. We can get better crowds by doing what we like doing. We're going to bring in the rock and roll music. We're going to we're going to do all that stuff. Lord, you know, Holy Spirit, you're out of here. We don't need you. We're we're not going to use the word of God anymore. That's too offensive. It's we're not going to do that. We're going to you know we're just going to say what makes people feel good, or we're going to go get us a version that's a little nicer to people. We're not we're not going to do that. We're, we're at, when we do that, we're asking the Holy Ghost to leave. And when we fail to follow the Word of God, we lose our power. Too many people today, they judge whether a church is successful or whether a church is spiritual based only on the crowds. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. If crowds is what means they're right with God, then the most spiritual people in the world today are football players right now. Okay, we're going into football season. They get full crowds, don't they? The Cubs are organization, the most spiritual people in the world, they can fill that stadium up even when they're 30 games under 500 like they are right now. But no, crowds doesn't mean anything. The, you know, rock and roll concerts, they can get crowds. But that's not what it's based on. We want, we, more than anything, we want the Holy Spirit to show. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in His name, He's in the midst. We want the Lord to show up here more than anything else. But also another part that's important in a, church, uh, in a church is the pastor. It's not the most important thing. A lot of people judge whether they're going to go to the church by how much they like the pastor, uh, you know how you know how nice he is or whatever. And listen, I had somebody tell me one time they were thinking about coming to this church and found out they were going to another church. And I'm like, you know, well, you know, why are you plan on leaving that one? And they're like, well, you know, I think, uh, and it was the wife talking. She's like, I think I would like for my husband to be able to be around. A younger pastor. Our other one, he's getting up there in years and kind of old. And I was just like, "Wait a minute! You don't throw your pastor under the bus because he's getting old, all right?" And I'm thinking, "You're gonna pick me. You're gonna base it just simply on pastors." And by eight, I'm thinking, and I just kind of backed off. Then I thought, "You know, I'm gonna leave these folks alone because that that's just wrong." They shouldn't do that, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a horrible church they were going to or anything. And I remember a little while later, I saw them, and they're like, "Yeah, we're still thinking about coming back." And I told them, "You know what? It's like if you all weren't going to church, I'd tell you, be there next Sunday." It's like you all stay where you're at, keep going. That, that's a terrible reason, okay? You don't just go based on based on the pastor. Obviously, he's the one that you got to look at all the time. He's the one that you got to listen to. I understand that, but at the same time, it ought to be a pastor though that's not afraid. To say things that maybe you don't necessarily want to hear. 
that's not afraid to preach truths that need to be preached, or not, uh, one that's not afraid to preach against sin. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the, of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And by the way, that's not going to happen until we're all in heaven. So in the meantime, we're supposed to be working at it though as much as we can that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto Him in all things which is the head even Christ. We have one of the jobs pastors, they're there to keep you on track for the perfecting of the saints. said, listen, a lot of the messages I preach, I'm preaching to myself. I need it too. I like having God's people around to help keep me on track and to motivate me. We all, we all need that in a church. We need somebody that's there to lead the church and to promote godliness and promote holy living. We've got to do all those things. They're absolutely necessary in a church. So, the authority, that's the main thing you need to look at when deciding a church. But also you need to look at, and listen carefully, you ought to look at its activity. And I don't mean activities. All right, there are some churches. Boy, they they do a lot of fun stuff. I mean, they're real good at getting people in, and then just people having a good time. And listen, I'm not against fun. I like fun just as much as anybody. I mean, I'm all for it. Uh, but at the same time, that's not the main thing we're supposed to be focused on here. Is just having fun. Listen, we can do things. We can have activities. And that's great, but the main activity that ought to be going on in any house of God is the preaching of the Gospel. Preaching the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross and He paid for your sins. That there is a way to heaven. The preaching of the Gospel. The teaching all things whatsoever commanded you. That means teaching all the things that Jesus taught. Jesus taught some things besides just love. He taught some things that weren't a whole lot of fun. He taught things like Love, like love your enemies. We don't like that one. He taught things like bless them that curse you. He talked. I mean, he taught things that uh, just go against our very nature, and things that people don't want to hear about. He talked about God of the living. He talked. I mean, he he spoke against sin. He preached against sin as much or more than anybody that we re, that we hear uh, that we read about in the Bible. And we ought to be doing that. We ought to be teaching all things. We shouldn't. Shy away from certain subjects. We ought to be preaching, preaching it all. Obviously, we can't. We're not going to do it all in one message. There are some preachers that they'll try to do that, preach everything they believe in one message. Uh, I won't do that to you. We'd be here too long. <laughs> and uh, but we ought, but we ought to preach, preach the whole counsel of God. We ought to be supporting missions. He said in that great commission that he gave to the church to, to uh, go and to teach all nations, baptizing them. He said, "Go ye into all." The world, a church, I believe every church ought to be a church that's involved in missions. And not just local missions, even though that's that's the main thing. That's the first thing. First thing we ought to do, we need to be working in this area. We ought to have missions in this area, outreach programs, trying to bring people to Christ. Not just bring them in for a good time, 
There's plenty of organizations doing, doing the fun stuff. And we can do some fun stuff, but we ought to be giving people the Gospel. We ought to be supporting missionaries and sending them to foreign countries, places where they don't have the Word of God. There's groups that are, that are out there. There's ministries that are involved in translating the Bible into languages where people don't have Bibles. Listen, folks, they're not going to go anywhere without the Word of God. We've got to be doing those things. Supporting missions, it's, it's crucial in a church. It's a very, very, very important. And, we're, and, and in the future, I hope we can be very active in that and very involved in giving towards missionaries. I like having, but next week we're going to have a missionary in this church. And, I, and I, we're doing that because I believe in missionaries. I believe in what he's doing. I thank God that there's somebody that's willing to leave America and go to a place like Belize and give the gospel to them. I, I'm, I'm excited about that. And I, I want to, I want to be an encouragement to them. I want to be a support to them. Because that is, he is doing our job. And we got, and he needs our help to do it. We obviously can't be all over the world at the same time, but we can help get other people out there. And we need to do that. The soul winning, we need to be winning people to Christ. And I, I believe, I believe in confronting people about, it. you know, you need to bring it, you know, it's, it's okay to bring it up in a conversation. You know, I ask questions like, hey, if you died today, do you know where you spend eternity? I've had people before I've been talking to and they'll tell me about this near-death experience they have. And that's always a great opportunity. It's like, man, if you would have died right then, where would you have spent eternity? And they're like, well, not real sure. It's like, man, you know, if you're not saved, you would have went to hell. Kind of, you know, hey, I know oh, that's that's uncomfortable. Well, so is hell. It's hot down there. It's very uncomfortable. It's eternal. I'd rather make somebody a little bit uncomfortable right now than for them to be uncomfortable for all eternity. I want to know that I at least did what I had to to get the gospel out to them. I like the question I like to ask people, or kind of a lead-off question I'll ask people is I'll say things like, if you stood before God today and He asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell Him? What would you tell Him? And sometimes the answer is, well... You know, I was a good person. It's like, wait, but yeah, but you know, God said that there's none righteous, no, not one. God said that we're not saved by works. So, what else would you tell them? Because that's that's not going to work. Oh, I used to go to church. Well, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where going to church saves you. Well, I got I got baptized. Well, did you ever? But did you ever see Christ as your Savior? Did you ever call Him? Look, look what the Bible says. And then I'll show them what the Bible says on about how to get saved. I'll go through the plan of salvation with them. I'll say, you know, if I stood before Christ and He asked me why I should let Him into heaven, you know what I'd tell Him? Because you said in your Word that whoever would call on your name would be saved. That if we confess our sins, that you'd be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And Lord, on April 30th, 1986, I did that. Lord, I went and I asked You to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I asked You because I knew I didn't deserve it. I knew You were the only one that could save me. And God, as we read before, has magnified His Word above His name. God is not going to look at you and say, well, you know what? I know I said that, but I don't like you. You're going to hell anyway. No. His Word says that, and because of that, God has to let you in. Based on His own Word, He is... He subjected Himself to His Word. And thank God for that. 
And we, I tell you, we ought to be involved in that. A church that doesn't want to do that is a church that listen. We're not. We don't want to just have social clubs. Okay, there's other social clubs and things out there. We didn't come here to start a social club. And while church can be a social thing, while it is nice getting around people and uh, getting to know folks and making friends, while it's a wonderful thing, that is not the main thing we're here for. Main thing is to tell people about Christ, to preach the gospel. That's the activity we ought to be mostly interested in. And then lastly, because of its association. And I'm not when I say association, I'm not talking about it because it's a part of a denomination. I'm not saying that uh, you know just because listen, just because a church says Baptist doesn't mean it's the right kind of church. It it, it does not. I've been to I've been to some really goofy ones before that are far far <laughs> from from telling the truth. And I'm telling. I mean, it's it's crazy what we're seeing out there. But it's not because it's part of a denomination. This church, you know, we're independent. We don't have a hierarchy, and we shouldn't. We don't have we don't have a Baptist pope. Uh, we don't we don't have a cardinal that can come here and tell us what to do. I mean, you all right here. You're the church. Okay. Uh, we're we're independent. But the, when I talk about association, I'm not talking about the college that the pastor went to. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm not talking about the group of preachers that he hangs around. I'm all for churches fellowshipping and I'm I'm all for that. But I'm not talking about a fellowship. When I talk about its association, I'm talking about its association with the Holy Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8. To explain that, I want to read a passage to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, "...for as many as are led by the Spirit of God..." They are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So when I talk about association, a way to illustrate that, my physical father is Tom McMurtry. If you come tonight, you'll see him. I know who I know who my father is. Okay, I know who he is. I lived with him for twenty years. But if so, and if somebody came to me and said, "Hey, I know your dad," well, I could find out real quick if they were telling the truth or not. If they started telling my dad, like your dad, he, your dad, he hates hunting. He is against people, you know, killing animals. Uh, he's an animal rights activist. I'd say, uh, yeah, that wasn't my dad you met. <laughs> My dad likes my dad likes hunting. If they came to me and said, "Yeah, I, I saw your dad. He was uh, he was wearing a cardinal's hat." I said, ah, "That wasn't my dad that you saw." <laughs> no, I, I saw. You know, there's certain things. If you said, "Yeah, I, I saw your dad. He was he was at the bar." Okay, not my dad. <laughs> you knew him? No, absolutely not. There's certain things like, "No, I think I think you got the wrong guy." I know your dad, and I'm saying things like. He was wearing he was wearing a pink shirt. No, it wasn't. Not my dad. You get around, you find out what his pet peeves and things are. It's like, no, that wasn't my dad. No, not that. That wasn't him. You got the wrong guy. There's things that I would be able to I'd, I'd be able to tell. It would be obvious. And the thing and the association I'm talking about, it's like a family association because there's some things we have in common because there's only one Holy Spirit. And it should be the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. I hope it's the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. And you know what? You can tell fast. I've been in churches in other states 
And I've got I've I've gone in there and just as soon as I'm there, I'm like, man, I'm I'm at home. I just I feel completely at home. I'll get to talk to these people. Never met them before in my life, and it's like, boy, we just we got a connection. I've even I've even met people from other countries, and you can just you can just tell. I told I told it here before when I was in Israel, we were at the Garden Tomb, the place where we believe Jesus rose from the dead, and there was a group of Oriental people. They were singing to God be the glory, and Chinese or Japanese, whatever language it was, Korean, I don't, I don't know. And I remember I heard them singing. And I don't, I don't know what religion they were. I don't, so I don't even know for sure what nationality they were. But I heard them singing that song, and I was like, you know what? Those are, they're one of us. Those are, I, I could just tell by the way they were singing it. There's just something that we have in common. And when people, there's people today in churches, they they get to talking about God and stuff, and I'm like, who are they talking about? Who are they talking about? That, that's not my God. Listen, you know, boy, God. He is a loving God, but sometimes he gets mad. The Bible says when John saw Christ in Revelation, his eyes were as a flame of fire. I see some of these programs and things people put on. The way they portray Jesus, I mean, they make him look like some something that fell off the back end of the '60s. Some some hippie that it's like, good night. Have they not read the Bible? I don't think Jesus looked like that. Some long-haired, scraggly, you know, feminine-looking guy. It's like. Jesus was a carpenter. He was, I mean, carpenters these days, they're rugged enough, but imagine how they were back in those days with all the hand tools and things that they had. He wasn't some sissy guy. Jesus, he didn't have long hair. The Bible says it was a shame for a man to have long hair. Why would he do something that goes against his word? I mean, and just, you know, the feminine part. Jesus, he went into the temple with, and he drove those people out with a whip. He went and took those tables. I mean, they're big stone tables, and he. Turned him over. He was mad. You know that's that's the Jesus I know. I've seen that in His Word, and you hear these people talking. I was like, "That's that's not my God you're talking about." You can tell if you're if you're really saved when you're a saved person. They can tell when they're in the right place. They they hear it, and my my sisters. If we get together, we talk about you know. Talk about the old times of family things and our parents. There's just things that are we have in common. We have the same parents. And my my sisters, I don't have any buzz. My sisters, you know, there's always going to be a connection there. We're always going to be close, even though uh, we don't live by each other anymore. I've got one sister who lives about three and a half, four hours away. But there's always we're always going to have a certain closeness there. You know why? Because we come from the same family. We're 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 part of each other. And people who are saved, they're a part of the same family. That same Holy Spirit that lives inside them, it lives in you too. And there's a connection there. There's an association there. You know you're in the right place. I grew up my whole life being a Cub fan. Anytime we ever went to ball games, it was Cub games. We always wear all the Cub clothes. And you know, and you'd go there and you were fine. you fit in. But I remember one time we were in St. Louis and we went and we drove by the Cardinals Stadium. And they were getting ready to have a game. And there's just red everywhere. Everybody's wearing Cardinal stuff. And I just felt like I was in a foreign country. I'm looking around and I'm thinking, you know, I need to get out of here. I don't belong here. We don't have anything in common. Because if you're a real Cub fan, to be a true Cub fan, you have to hate the Cardinals. It's just part of other teams you don't really care about, but you have to hate the Cardinals as a, as a true Cub fan and the White Sox. <laughs> it's just kind of, kind of, kind of one of the rules. We'll fight after church. So, <laughs> but it's just the way it is. But the same thing is true. 
when you have the Holy Spirit dwell inside of you, you can come in and you can know that you're in the right place. And I, I hope you feel that here. I do. And while I'm not against activities and fun things like that, and we, we plan on doing these things, I'm looking forward to adding ministries. The most important thing you ought to look at is that authority. Where does the authority come from? Are they, preaching, are they preaching the Word there? If they're preaching the Word, then you know what? They got my vote. If they're preaching the Word, they're my friend. If they're promoting the Gospel of Christ, I'm for them. He's not against us, is for us. I'm for any church that's promoting the Gospel. I'm for any church that's promoting holy living, that's doing these things. And whenever you look for a church, I hope you look for those things. I hope, I hope you like me. I do. I like being liked. I prefer being liked. But I hope you don't come here just because you like me. And here's why. Because you know what? That can change fast. There's some days my wife doesn't like me very much. There's some days my kids don't like me very much. And if that's all that's keeping you here, you're not going to be around much longer. Because <laughs> we, all, we all have our moments and you all know what I'm talking about. But this is, this is what binds us together. The Word of God. The Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you lives inside of me. And we're going to have a closeness there. We can have fellowship. And we can have unity and the church is a place where we can go and we can promote that and we can advance that until Christ returns and until we are all, as we read before, at that same measure like Christ. We're not there yet. We're all a bunch of sinners. We're all, we all have faults. We've, we're going to have personality clashes and all that stuff. But there's going to come a day where we're all going to be like Christ. And that's going to be gone. And until then, God has given churches that where we can come together and we can promote that and advance that and try to bring other people in on that until He comes. And I'm looking forward to that day when He comes. I believe it's going to be soon. I, I want to be ready for that. And in the meantime, I just want to be doing the will of God. I want to be doing what God wants me to do. And I believe I, believe I am right now. And I hope you can say the same thing for yourself. So let's all stand together. Our heads bowed and eyes closed.